We Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. Welcome back. My next guest is a ceramics teacher at a small private school. In this episode, we talk about her successes and challenges with sending clay kids home with their students during the COVID-19 shutdown. We discuss the supplies and tools she included in those kits. Only sending a small amount of clay home provided valuable lessons in recycling and reusing the clay for several projects. She focuses on the positive opportunities that have been presented by our at-home situation. She offers ideas for finding objects for texture, teaching students how to take quality photos of their work, and making tools with simple supplies. She also offers so many other project ideas that she's using throughout her multi-level ceramic program. This year, five of her students were recognized at the American Museum of Ceramic Art SoCal High School Student Exhibition. So let's jump into this interview with Biliana Popova. All right, today I'm here with Biliana Popova. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, We met several years ago and have kind of kept in uh, in touch through the years. But I would love to share your wealth of knowledge uh, for teaching and for ceramics to this community. So uh, first off, before we begin talking about clay, you have this beautiful accent. Could you give us (laughs) a little bit of background um, as far as where you're from? Yeah, I'm originally from Bulgaria and I've been in the States now for 20 years. And I've been teaching um, 15 years out of those 20 years, but my accent never went away. Even <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Um, thank you. Now, did you do your education or your ceramic training in America? No, actually, I completed all of my education in Bulgaria. So my background is I started very early. Um, I actually... Um, graduated from a vocational high school in fine arts which was five years so eight through 12th grade and that was focused on classical um, art training which is sculpture painting drawing and after that i completed five years of the art academy and i have masters in ceramics wow yeah so. That's amazing. That's yeah. what a great high school, high school experience, eight through 12. Very, fo- it almost sounds like a college curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we finished with um, general education, grade 10 and 11 and 12. We had to pick a um, major. So mine was printmaking. And so, Yeah. It, it was fantastic. By the time I finished high school, I felt like I didn't want to go back into printmaking in the higher education because I already knew pretty much everything you can learn. And so I shifted into ceramics, which is like a completely different direction, just because I was fascinated with 3D, you know, switching from 2D to 3D. And later on, went to discover that ceramics is everything. It's, it's surface, it's culture, it's, it's everything. 
which was just blew me away and that brings up an interesting point though about your printmaking have you brought printmaking to your ceramic work that that I background did in that? yes i adapted some um prints made on top of paper and then transferring that onto ceramics but after a while i lost the fascination of doing a, a print with a transfer i was more interested in drawing directly on top of the clay and like moving the material rather than applying the surface on top. Well, and that's that's the process, the art process. You know, we we kind of evolve through uh, as we develop our own skills and knowledge and exposure. So it sounds like early on you knew that you were going to be in the arts. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. great. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. So let's um, shift into your current situation. Could you tell us a little bit about where you teach, what you teach, and how many students you have in your classes? Yeah, so I currently teach, this is my, what, 13th year, 10th year, I, I forget to add, <laughs> uh, in uh, teaching high school um, at uh, Flintridge Prep. It's a private, not-for-profit school, um, and um, I teach all uh, grade levels. It's um, 8 through 12th. And my classes generally do not exceed 11 students. That's a great um, size. Yeah, that is a very nice class size. Uh, and uh, I also teach at Glendale College for the last 13 years, for sure. And I teach just one class there. I'm a part-time, um, which is hand-building. Hand-building okay. beginning and advanced. And generally, I have about 25 students there. OK. Now. You said eight through twelve, and you also said high school. So, is your high school eighth grade through twelfth grade? It's seven to twelve. Uh, seven through twelve. Yeah. So it's a combination of middle school and high school. Got you. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. How big is the school? How many students do you have total? Seven through twelfth. You know. Uh, total, we have about five hundred students. So it's relatively small school. Yeah, and it is in. You are in California. You're in Los Angeles. Yes. I'm in Los Angeles and my commute is super short. My school is five minutes away. Oh my gosh. That's so not traditional. <laughs> and my college is five minutes away. So oh, I'm you're super, super lucky. Living the dream, Billy. Yes, living the dream. Absolutely. <laughs> Good for you. So um, I'd also love for you to kind of detail how your classes um, grow from one another. Uh, so you have intro, an intro class where you would be teaching students basic skills. And then how do the students progress through your levels? Yeah. So like I said, ceramics is introduced in eighth grade. Um, and with the eighth graders, I see them every day. Uh, so they only take it for a semester. So I have two sections of eighth grade, uh, and that is considered uh, an intro class. But I give them foundation skills in everything from hand building to wheel throwing to sculpture. So typically we start with hand building, sculpture, um, and then we move to the wheel. And we also cover a lot of surface design, like pattern designs, graffito, um, relief carving, and I'm trying to remember what was the last project. We also do a coil project at the end of the school year. So in total, I would say typically we do uh, four to five projects all together for the whole um, time we're together. That semester. That's it. Yes. But that's a lot of projects in one semester. 
that is a lot of projects, but I see them, like I said, every day. And our schedule varies from regular schedule, which is 43 minutes, to a block schedule, which is twice a week. We have a block, which is 77 minutes. And um, from there, from eighth grade, we progress into ninth. And ninth, I get a lot of new students. I have some returning eighth graders, but also um, about 80%, I would say, is new incoming students. And I typically have two sections of ninth. And I treat that as introductory class again, but I call it beginning ceramics. And so again, it's all about foundation skills, but obviously I have to do projects that are different than eighth grade for those that are coming back. And so we start with, uh, hand building, you know, mini sculptures, figurines, so they can learn how the material behaves and um, how to do proper joints and so on. And then we move to the wheel and our culminating project in ninth grade is mosaic. So it's, it's something that is more familiar to the students, which is 2D art. But then what I love about this project is that they truly design it from the scratch. So from, you know, um, we have different themes. This year we had a marine life theme. So they had to find their images, stylize them, create a composition, pick the color palette. Um, we rolled the clay tiles ourselves. We fire them, they have to glaze them. So in the glazing process, there is so much um, creative freedom and also planning that has to happen. Um, they can do gradient, texture tiles, you know, it, it really becomes extremely fun to create your own palette of colors. And um, yeah, and then we move into cutting the tiles and uh, we also build the frames, we do the grouting. Do you um, build the frames out of wood? Yeah. And the students build them? Yeah, they help me. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So after their ninth grade, they continue with you, they correct? They continue into tent, exactly. They continue into tent. And into tent, we try to um, improve on all the skills we have already learned by increasing the complexity of the projects. So um, tenth grade, we deal with soft slab construction, which is um, doing simple shapes or starting with a sheet of slab where they cut and fold. So I call it 3D origami. And then um, they have to work on increasing or kind of improving their skills on the potter's wheel, enlarging in scale. And um, we do a teapot project. And after the teapot, we do a large scale uh, coil project that also has to deal with a lot of relief application. And the culminating project for 10th grade, I always have kind of a fun project that's slightly different at the end, is um, working in small scale, uh, doing a jewelry with precious metal clay. And so they apply the skills they already have um, into that project. Um, and so it has to deal with texture, positive, negative space, emphasis, and so on. And then these are kind of the ninth and 10th are my structured classes. And then my students usually continue with me 11 and 12th grade. But in 11 and 12th grade, I give them completely, complete freedom to build their own curriculum. 
So I ask them what their interests are. I ask them to do a little research over the summer and kind of start generating idea books and sketches. And when they come back, we do a brainstorming session uh, where I build a schedule for the semester and for the year of what I am to cover based on their interest. So I typically try to encourage them in 11th grade to um, play and discover new things right. um, and experiment as much as possible. And then in 12th grade, I ask them to concentrate and focus in one specific area where can, they can go more in depth. It doesn't always work out that way. I kind of allow the natural flow of inspiration and interest to develop. So I'm not completely set, okay, you must do that. You can't venture out of this. So it's very free and flowing. And I'm very quick in adapting based on their interest, uh, adapting the curriculum and what I teach. So what's so fascinating about your situation is that you could really have students for four or even four and a half yes. years. Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. What a great experience for those kids too. So if they really are feeling focused in ceramics, they're able to learn, develop the skills, and then really start exploring their own personal expression to a whole nother level yeah. because of just the sheer time that they have. Yeah, absolutely. So I've had students in, uh, let's say, 11th grade. I had a student that all she did was slip casting. So really? we made a model, we made a mold, and I got her some um, mason stains, um, got her some porcelain slip, and she just went off and started researching that and exploring and playing. And it was just a lot of fun. I have other students that spend their whole semester or whole year just on the potter's wheel, trying to do large scale and then working with layering glazes. And so it's really fascinating for me. It's a lot of fun to work with each of the students individually. Um, just last year, we experimented with Sagar firing. So it's so great. It feels like you can really customize your curriculum based on your student need. Yeah. Um, having that that great class size. So one thing that I know has been a highlight for your students is uh, participating in the high school exhibit at Amoka. Mm -hmm. And this past year, you had a couple really great um, awards. Do you want to tell us about uh, about that? Yeah, I was really blown away. I really didn't expect um, to get that much recognition because really the, the work is so strong from all the students that participate. Uh, really amazing, really, really inspirational. Unfortunately, we didn't have um, um, in-person exhibit this year, but I remember last year going to the show, I was blown away by the quality of the work. And so, um, uh, I was really, really um, happy to find out that five of my students got recognitions with one of um, Best of Show, yeah. which, um, which is a student that is extremely invested in the ceramic arts and uh, very creative and very enthusiastic and really has spent a tremendous amount of time creating those specific projects. 
It's, it is, and it's, it's such a tribute to that student and to you as a teacher. Uh, but I think that it also shows a little bit of perspective that that student has had more than one year of ceramics. That student has been um, learning, following, studying, developing. Uh, it's been a journey for the student to, to get to that point. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's absolutely. amazing. Well, congrats. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> let's go ahead and shift into um, this whole situation we're in. We we spoke early on um, in the COVID shutdown uh, and kind of uh, commiserated. And um, I, I don't even know what it was at that point. We were all just kind of like shocked as to what was going on and what we were going to be doing. Um, are you finished with this school year at this point? Yeah, we just had last classes this last past Friday. And so I'm done actively teaching, being in the classroom, and um, I'm in the process of um, doing inventory and planning for the fall. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about some of the successes that you had over the last handful of weeks. Um, I know everybody had a different amount of time online. Um, one thing I do know is that your students did get clay. You were able to send clay home with some students and then the ones that weren't able to get it, you were able to, to make sure that they had clay. So everyone at home had clay. Mm -hmm. What projects, because this is so relevant to us maybe in the fall, if we can get clay in the hands of our students if we're still remote, what projects were successful for you? Mm -hmm. I, end up, I ended up doing only two projects. Okay. So um, I really spent majority of my spring break um, just worrying and planning. <laughs> I wasn't able to have a spring break, but that's simply because I, I like to have things planned ahead of time. And um, so I did texture explorations. And the second um, project we did was a um, bass relief, which is a shallow relief. And with the texture explorations, I focused on uh, finding everyday objects and um, seeing how they, what kind of textures they can produce and what kind of patterns, what kind of marks they can produce on the clay surface. So the first two, I, I would say first a week and a half was simply learning and and playing <laughs> and and also taking a record of everything we've done um, and then based on their experience and what they have learned um, they had to create a texture slab that then later we turned into a functional cup and so it was all about um, mark making pattern making also i taught them how to create their own clay stamps out of little locks, like little coils of clay, and how to think in reverse, because you're doing a negative impression that will leave a positive raised image on the clay. And they also had to create uh, shallow sprigs, shallow molds by subtracting. So again, same thing, you're working in reverse, um, removing clay away, thinking that this will turn into a positive relief later onto the clay so that was really a lot of fun for them and all of this was incorporated in the final culminating project got you yeah one little i want to add a little a tidbit i also do stamps um, but i do that usually with my second year it's one of the first things that we do we we make stamps and then do that but i call them innies and outies like our belly buttons yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah. I don't know why that always seems to make sense to the students when we're talking about positive and negative space. Yeah. They're like looking at it and carving away and, and thinking about the transfer of that stamp. But I think, think about your belly button. Do you have an any yeah. belly button or an outie belly button? <laughs> yeah, that, that works. We all find a way to explain it. Yes. Uh, but also another thing I had to take into consideration, I didn't want them to work too much in the round because I knew that everything will get broken <laughs> and right. I wanted to have a final project that survives. So um, all the work, um, you know, done was a flat work and small scale work. And also nothing was allowed to uh, dry completely to bone dry. Mm -hmm. So everything was kept in Ziplocs at the lot hard stage. So this way clay is more durable. They also had to recycle majority of their studies in order to have enough clay to complete the project. Oh, wow. Which is a whole nother lesson. Exactly. That's fabulous. Yeah. I was just thinking about like pre-thinking for the fall, which we'll talk about in a minute and was just like, what are they going to do with the extra clay and what if they run out? So let's talk about how you had your students do that in a couple minutes. You mentioned a culminating project. So they did the cup, they did the, the mm -hmm. texture exploration, they turned it into a cup. Was there another project or was the cup the culminating project? The cup was the culminating project and they ha had to also learn how to photograph it. Oh, <laughs> and they don't have yeah. the beautiful backdrop in the classroom. No, they don't have that. So I also gave them a lesson on light different types of lights, different types of viewpoints, Wow! you know, uh, and so they had to experiment and play with that in order to turn a um, an image back to me that um, we constructed an online exhibit uh, at the end of the year with all those images that they submitted. That's fabulous. And yeah, thank it you. just brings up the idea of like how we feel so frustrated or limited by this situation, right? Because our kids do not have the luxury of all the things we have in the classroom. But the things that you're telling me are providing so many more opportunities for problem solving. Mm -hmm. Like if, if we would have made that project in the classroom, we would have simply placed it in the photo booth and taken a picture, almost like the easy way out, right? We, because it's all been pre-formatted. Mm -hmm. But this has presented an opportunity for so many other lessons. Absolutely. Even the stamping, I'm thinking as you're telling me that you guys made stamps, I'm always asking the students, bring things in so that we can stamp, you know, find things at home, bring in a Lego, bring in anything that you could find that might be creative, but they don't because they don't think of it once they're home. Yeah. Yeah, but when they are home. Now they can wander around. Yeah, my first uh, lesson actually was just scavenge hunt the house for objects. And we did not use buttons or things that already have a pattern on them. We created the pattern. So I have them thinking in terms of very simple elements like a line and a dot. <laughs> What can you produce with a line and a dot? Or even with just different diameters of dots. You know, if you, if you repetition and how you can have an implied line with just, you know, dots next to each other. So we use butter knives, uh, forks, spoons, because they have a nice curvature and, um, and pencils. And that was it. Wow. And toothpicks and hairpins and, stuff like that. So one student made the comment, I see things in a completely different light now. I'm walking around the house and I'm thinking, 
oh, what kind of imprint would that make? That's amazing. <laughs> I have to go and test it out. <laughs> yeah, and that's like we have to really kind of focus on these successes that we can have in the situation where we're really our students would have never I don't want to say like bend their brain in a way to mm -hmm. look at their life differently. In their environment, yeah. Yeah, we're conf they're, they're conflicted because their their home space has now become their whole their school space. And so there's just a lot of overlap. And so I really like to think about ways that we can um, exploit that in a positive way and challenge the students. Uh, so thank you for that. That was really, really exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. So when we think about the fall, I love that you had many of us didn't have a clay experience during this COVID shutdown uh, for the end of 2020. Um, but now we're all starting to think about the fall. And I think that some schools will open. I think some schools won't. Um, and so for those of us who are trying to anticipate the variety of options, we've started to kind of brainstorm sending packets home with the students. So can I send the kids home with a bit of clay and tools? I know you did that. So what kind of things did you send home that were good? And what things would you now do home to do if you could do it all over again? Yeah, I was extremely, um, yeah, I had to do very quick planning on my feet uh, because we had a super short announcement. And I knew that I don't have a lot of tools in the classroom to, to because I have sets of 10, typically, uh, sets of 11, actually, because typically I have 11 students of all the tools in the classroom. And the only thing I had a lot of were brushes. Oh. And typically we use brushes for not just adding water to the clay joints and smoothing out the surface, but also we use them for sculpting. Mm -hmm. And the type of brush I have doesn't have the round end. It actually has a beveled 30-degree uh, end. So it's a dowel. It's round. The brush is round. And the back is um, at 30-degree. And these were absolutely fantastic. That was the best tool I could have packed because we use those brushes as rolling pins. Wow. For rolling <laughs> our slabs. Uh, we use them for smoothing and wetting the surface, and we use the back as a sculpting tool. So that was our main tool for doing the bass relief. How long are the are those brushes? Are they like uh, just regular length? So oh, yeah. here it is. twelve inches, yeah. Right, and they come in a pack of a hundred. Oh know, my gosh school packs that Blick sells. And when I initially bought them, I absolutely hated them because they're super, super dense and very difficult to wash. But actually that improved to be a big benefit when you want to smooth the surface because it applies a bit more uh, compression. And then the backs weren't round, something that I'm used to, right? Right, I backs see it. actually tapered, you see That's that? so great, yes. And this is the best sculpting tool, absolutely, because it's just it allowed you to go in a tight corners and also, yeah, just to sculpt the form very easily. So this is like your small application tool. It almost looks it could be used like the cleanup tool that uh, the Kemper 23, the one that looks like the thing that the dentist scrapes your oh, teeth yeah. with. Yeah, it could be, you know, that flipped on the back side. So I'm just <laughs> thinking of how so many uses for that. It's a brush and a roller 
and a, and a sculpting tool and a blender. And <laughs> yes, yes, it served many functions. And and we had a discussion with the students. If if uh, you had to have one tool, they all ninety percent said the brush. Wow, that's a great. And it, I thank you. It's on uh, Blick. They they come in a hundred packs. So when you were originally starting to talk about it, I was like, oh, this is probably a really expensive brush. Nope. But it's a class pack. Is that handle? Is it plastic or is it wood? It's plastic. Yeah. Great. So yeah. even when it sits in the sink and gets soaking wet. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're indestructible. Yeah. And um, yeah, really fantastic because all the wooden handles I bought with paint on them start peeling and chipping and just dis disintegrating. And the other thing I realized, we use paper clips and hair clips um, as uh, loop tools, carving tools. So those were very easy to adapt. And I also created a tutorial where you have a serrated uh, loop tool so with a paper clip i don't know if you can see yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yes. and um uh, what is it um floss oh my goodness so obviously our, our listeners can't see it so what she's done is she's taken a paper clip and she has wrapped floss dental floss around it so that it's like mm -hmm. a spiral around it and then you duct taped it you put it in the shape of a loop and duct taped mm -hmm. it to the end of a stick and so you have basically up oh, the end of a brush so you have your loop tool yeah so that's another great idea is uh for the fall is making your own tools that could even be a lesson right at the beginning yeah. So here's your pack mm -hmm. and now let's use what we have to make a loop tool mm -hmm. to make a yeah, so if I am to pack for the fall, I will pack one of those brushes and maybe a round one and a flat one, giving them a variety between small and big because they vary in diameter. I will pack uh, popsicle sticks, just regular popsicle sticks, maybe uh, sandpaper. Oh, good one. Tell me, uh, tell me more about the sandpaper. Have, they all have a knife. So they can chop and shape the tip of the toothpick any way they want, but they probably don't have sandpaper at home in order to round off or finish off the edges so they're not sharp. So I will definitely plan a lesson where we make our own tool and adapt tools based on our needs. And we also used a lot of the gift, old gift cards, cutting out our own ribs. Yeah, uh, to different angles. Different okay, slow down. There's like I have a 400 million questions. Okay, so the sandpaper is to help sand down the wood popsicle stick. Exactly. Correct. Okay, yeah. so the students can either cut or break or bend or model the end, and then they sand that down so that it has a smooth tip. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, gift cards so you're talking about like the old starbucks cards exactly. or like hotel and, room keys yeah. and they all have those you don't yes. have to pack those and they all have a pair of scissors well maybe <laughs> actually i had one student that didn't have a scissors uh and so we also used um rulers and thin uh, magazines as thickness guides when we were rolling the slabs so there's many things you can adapt hmm around the house uh, for different purposes. Um, and Ziplocs are very important for them to have Ziplocs to store their clay. 
That's great. So, so not only did you put all of these supplies into a Ziploc, so they had that as a one like storage place, but then did you include an extra Ziploc for them to wrap up their clay? We had two Ziplocs. Okay. So they had a small one holding the clay and a large one holding everything together. The brush, I actually put a toothpick in there, but that ended up not being very useful because as soon as it gets wet, these are very, very brittle. So yeah, what we used okay. for a needle tool, we simply took a paper clip and opened it up. There it is. So yep. it's a loop tool and a needle tool all in one. And um, there was really no need to pack a needle tool. Yeah, that's brilliant. Or a loop tool at all. Okay. And um, and a tiny piece of sponge. I actually cut up all my sponges <laughs> in the classroom and gave everybody a tiny piece of sponge. So that was it. Sponge, brush, clay. I think the sponge thing is is interesting. Uh, I know that a lot of like Blick and Aardvark and all of the places they sell those lovely little round disc sponges. They're perfect. But if you go to Lowe's, you can get the large um, tiling uh the sponges they cost maybe a buck buck 50 and that's i cut it into yeah. 20 or 30 small sponges exactly so, yeah that's what yeah. i do i yeah. buy the large ones and i cut them based on the size i need I want to be also, I want to plant the seed for the uh, people that are listening. Um, as we pack up these kits, there's a good chance that we're not going to get some or all of this stuff back. So as we pack this, it's like, as you're saying, the needle tool, the loop tool, like I, I get a lot of tools because I have a lot of students. I could probably put together a hundred or 150 packs, but I don't necessarily want to give all of those away. So Paper clips would totally save me that three fifty for the 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 pro Absolutely. tool. Yeah. Um, uh, the paper, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And you can actually turn um, a back of a, a pencil. You, if they have a um, a saw blade, they can actually cut the back of the pencil in an angle. True, true that. Right, but most students don't have that, um, and so, but it's an option. Yeah, not an option. How much clay did you send home with the students? A pound and a half. That's not very much. That is not very much. That's why I had to plan my projects very well. Very specifically. <laughs> um, now, we spoke about this before. You had your students reclaiming their own clay so that they would have enough to last. So mm -hmm. was that also a lesson? Yes, that was a lesson. They had to learn how to condition their clay uh, so it has the best uh, workability, right? Not to be too mushy or too dry. And so everything we made with the exception maybe of, so we ended up making about four slabs with textures as a study and um, one or two tiny molds for sprigs and about um, five double-ended stamps. They ended up keeping maybe one or two of the stamps um, and the sprig mold and everything else was recycled. And so they had to learn, um, maybe if I could put the wet sponge together with the clay, that will slowly rehydrate it. If I dunk it, I will get a completely different end result. Um, and I certainly had students that um, rehydrated their clay and made it too mushy. Right. <laughs> but that was also a learning lesson how to yeah, dry it out under the sun for a period of time and rewedge it and so on. 
So that's so. great because uh, I've been thinking, gosh, how am I going to get enough clay in the hands of the students? But what you're saying is that you made these texture slabs and then they reclaimed that clay. They had the experience, they photographed, they made mm -hmm. evidence, exactly. and then they rolled it back up and created mm -hmm. a nice workable ball of clay again and just used it again, yeah. which I think is is so great because I was going down a whole nother route um, and I was thinking, gosh, then what are we going to do with all of these pieces of work that the students have in their home? And that's that's not where we're at right now. We're looking for learning, experience, gathering these skills. And then when we return to school mm -hmm. together, then we can apply all of the knowledge that we had over the last however many weeks. It is. So you have to treat it more as a process over product. Yes. It's the learning experience, right? Great. And maybe have one culminating project, preferably something that's compact and doesn't have too many sticking parts that can break. Right. And because so they all would have to bring that back to school. Exactly. So that was the other reason I thought of I really wanted to teach sculpture. Um, but 3D sculpture often requires armature. It's it's just it requires a turntable and so on. So the bass relief was actually I, I I think the most successful project I've done, and it's it's a sculpture, right? right. It's just it, attached to a background and it's a small scale. So uh, we ended up using just half of the clay for that. So they had extra clay left for whatever free project they wanted to make. And it, it was really amazing. I was blown away by the end results of that assignment. Awesome. Gosh, I'm yeah. so excited for you. This yeah. is, and, yeah, go ahead. No, it's just, this is really exciting. Cause I've been, I haven't been dreading. I've just been like, maybe anticipating these conversations with a little bit of anxiety because i'm just there's so much unsure you know we're, we're unsure about what is to come but i feel much more secure right now i feel really confident and like well this i've gotten so many ideas as far Absolutely. as like sending these packets home so thank you so Absolutely. much for that. you're most welcome so a couple of things i wanted to kind of emphasize um what was my learning experience teaching remotely the most difficult part was giving them feedback right and in the classroom like you said earlier we can walk around and stop at the table and give a very quick feedback to you know all students present at that table right just by a quick sentence here and there and they all hear it and all kind of can reflect and learn from each other that was the most difficult part uh, for me is because they cannot bring their projects close to the screen and stay still long enough for me to see um, what we used that was very very successful for us is a application called padlet Okay. It's like a sharing platform. It's similar to Instagram, but you can have it completely private. Students don't have to have an account in order to post. Great. You simply share them the link and they have the option to upload without having to download anything on their phones. Oh, great. Or computers. So what we did with the Padlet is we embedded it in our, we use um, on campus. Okay. So you can embed it in uh, on campus, or I don't know if you use Canvas, if that function is available, and it functioned within 
our teaching platform. That's nice. It was fantastic because uh, beginning of class or end of class, when they're finished with the project, they simply take an image, upload, and this way I can give one-on-one -on -one comments. Um, and actually, typically, I don't like writing stuff down um, because it takes very long time. I like to have the whole class together. I share my screen and I go project from project to project commenting on each one and giving suggestions. So this was like at the end of the class, like a quick review. So this was actually during like a live session, you would so go- that's the main difference. Uh, we only had live sessions. Got you. So would you go then to Padlet and you would click on every student's image and offer that feedback right exactly. then and there? Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. That's so my school, we're not allowed to see the students video. So I can't see my students faces. I can't see their projects. It's just that's how they have decided that um, for liability reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the biggest frustrations in the arts, both performing and visual, is that we need to be able to actively see the students work uh, so that we can provide feedback. So I'm really excited about this Padlet thing. Um, mm -hmm. One other person shared with me, uh, it's called Flipgrid, and it's another app, um, but it does require a download. But what it is, is the students can video themselves um, so they can record themselves and then the teacher can respond with a video and then they can interact. So it's almost like a discussion board, but with video as opposed to typing. So that's another thing that a few teachers in my department have found success with. Yeah, no, this is really fantastic because you can upload an image, you can upload a video, you can upload a, a Google search, like you can directly do a Google search from the upload button. That's great. It's, it's fantastic. And like I said, you don't have to see your students. We use Google Meet for our classroom meetings. I simply share my screen and I go over the projects. That's great because that's what I'm also using Hangout as well. So, yeah. uh, Google Meets. Okay, yeah. another great tip, Liliana. Thank you. Yeah, it it was uh, without this I wouldn't have managed because originally I created the assignments in their own campus, like each assignment in different section. They had to upload images. Too much uh, button clicking. Yes. Like for me, in order to see the image, I have to click five buttons and it really slows down and lacks the whole process. So this is a lot more instantaneous. You don't even have to click on the image. You just scroll down and oh. it's displayed in a, like a brick. So you can construct um, how you view, you can view individual images, um, how you construct the Padlet okay. itself. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that is another thing, you know, having to click and tr there's so much available right now. Everybody is making their apps and their tools for free, but that doesn't necessarily mean you should be using everything. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we've seen so much development in many of these apps just over the last two months, all the different updates to even mm -hmm. to like Zoom, you know, mm -hmm. they, they've gone through so many updates for security. Um, and I, I bet, I'm speculating here, but I bet over the summer, there are going to be so many programmers working on all of these apps and things. Yeah. So come the fall rollout. Yeah, they're very, I mean, they definitely make life easy, but you, you also have to figure out what works best for you. And for me, definitely streamlining the process, having less 
paperwork or writing to do and lots of clicking to do. <laughs> right. And uh, having more that, uh, of that one-on-one -on -one experience with the students. That's was great. Really, and that's what I lacked this semester and I hope to work on for the beginning of next year. So that's great. Um, let's go ahead and shift into um, where people can find you because we've talked about a lot today. This has been exceptional. Um, I know that you have a fabulous school Instagram account that I'd love uh, to hear about, but you're also a maker. I know that you do all kinds of work. So um, why don't you start by telling us about your work? Yeah, well, I primarily do sculptural work um, and non-functional, I call it decorative, even though lately I've been tipping my toes in, in the functional world, which I enjoy a lot. Um, so yeah, it's primarily surface design and sculpture. And uh, my Instagram account is at uh, Biliana Popova. And um, I have a Instagram for my high school, which is at Miss P Ceramics. That's what the students call me. I love so it. I have to that. Miss P Ceramics. Miss P Ceramics. And then um, my Glendale College account is at um, B Popova Glendale. So I, I'm not very good at updating. It's three accounts to keep That's a lot. <laughs> and uh, I try to publish as things kind of come up. And one thing I love sharing is my student work and process. Um, but also, oftentimes, I sit in the classroom. I'm in awe of the creative environment. Just It's like a, this Zen moment where everybody's working and focused. And we typically listen to either jazz or classical music. And, and so there's this natural flow that happens just that mesmerizes me. And I'll grab the phone and just do a quick walk through <laughs> the classroom. Trying to, to harness that, whatever yeah, that Try to is. capture that moment that is just so full of creative energy. Well, and I think that that is what we're all striving for, is to find those moments of creative zen and provide those for our students so that they can experience what is so magical about creating and finding themselves through the arts. So I tip my hat to you as you <laughs> find those beautiful moments. So Liliana, thank, thank you so much for spending some time with me today and sharing all of these fabulous ideas. Oh, thank you, Julie. It's been absolute pleasure for me. Thank you for having me. This was perfect timing for this discussion. I've seen a lot of questions and discussion threads on social media that are all talking about the fall. There's a lot of uncertainty about what our schools are going to look like when and if we return in August. Looking around at some schools who have already published guidelines, I found that there are three options that most are presenting. One is returning to school with social distance guidelines. Two is returning with a hybrid situation where we are limiting the number of kids on campus at one time. Or number three is continuing with online learning. I think all of these options are valid as it really looks different in each of our states and communities. Beginning our discussions now, 
will help us ease the nerves, anxiety, and overwhelming workload as we get closer to the start of the school year. I promise to keep bringing you content that speaks to these challenges. Together, we can share our ideas with the hopes of sharing the load. And with that, I bid you farewell, stay healthy friends, and keep connecting.